Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hopefully you're listening to the show. You've already secured your tickets to the uh, final tour May 13th at Ameris Bank Amphitheater. The final tour of whom? The legend, Kenny Loggins, who joins us on the Mark Aram Show. Mr. Loggins, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm excited for your final tour, making a stop in Atlanta on May 13th. Sad that this is the final tour, but happy that we get a chance to see you live one last time. What can folks expect uh, at the show? Well, it's uh, it's. I tried to cover each era of my career. There's a lot of them. <laughs> so it's, it's been... Uh, Interesting to try and put a show together with the hits and, you know, the things that people want, plus a few deeper cuts. And um, made my band a little bit bigger this year. Got and bring it, brought in a horn player and another keyboard player so I could really cover some of the older material as well. Sad news that, that this is the final tour. If, if you don't mind me asking, uh, so your final tour is 2023. When was your first tour? What year did that occur? 1971. Before I was born, two years before I was born was your first tour. <laughs> right. I've been touring your whole life. And, wh- and what was the tour like in 71? Where did you go? Who were you with? Oh, it was Loggins and Messina, our first year out. We would rent station wagons at each city and load up our luggage and instruments into the backs of the wagons and drive around. We drove ourselves. And it was, you know, living the life back in the, I was 21. The I mean, Loggins and Messina, I mean, uh, quintessential 70s uh, duo just fantastic stuff do you remember the first gig that you did on tour i remember early on our first tour was a college tour i can, I can see the, the gymnasium we were opening for uh, delaney bonnie and billy preston at the time as the opening act and yeah I, I, is that you even get paid on that gig do you, do you get a per deal oh, yeah <laughs> it, it wasn't a lot yeah it wasn't it wasn't enough to live on necessarily but you get paid a little bit as you go pays the bills somewhat columbia records really funded our tour back in the day when record companies would do that so you know, we could get out there and play for the college audience and then we made a college album uh, in new york city they recorded a live show and they turned it into a exclusive just for college radio and it really was how they broke us out into the world back in those days amazing different era 1971 kenny loggins joining us on the mark aram show the uh, final tour stop here in atlanta may 13th at ameris bank amphitheater and uh i don't know if it's a coincidence or not your memoir still all right is is going to be available or is available is available doing pretty good what's harder writing a memoir or writing a song a memoir absolutely <laughs> that's a different it's a yeah. different writing muscle for you there yeah, yeah, it's it's a different, completely different thing. It's speaking; it doesn't have to rhyme, obviously. Thank God. And uh, you know, but you have to remember stuff, and that that in itself is quite a challenge. Because I ended up calling up a lot of the musicians from the old days that I'd worked with, and uh, road managers, and just trying to get different people's memories of what was going on, how how things happened. And it really then spurred a lot of my own memories in there, too. I bet even even if you didn't write the memoir, just having those conversations and, and reliving those memories was a great experience yeah. to, to go back and remember things that you'd probably forgotten. 
Yeah, and I know I, I worked with uh, uh, my collaborator, Jason. He was constantly saying, well, you know, do you remember you know, who you were talking to and, and why did you do that? You know, what was the motivation? And, and trying to remember one's motivation from 40 or 50 years ago is crazy. I, mean, yeah. it's really, it's <laughs> I can't really do it from a week ago. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, really. amazing. Depends on what you were drinking. Did anything get left out of the book where you, you talk to a colleague or a friend or, and they're like, please don't publish that story? Not exactly, no. But when you're writing about relationships like wives and and Messina and people like that, that I want to make sure I tell the story as I recall what was my take on it as a young man, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old, your motivations and your understanding of why people are doing the things they're doing is skewed. So it takes a little time to try and figure out, well, why did we do that? And what was that argument about? Continue our discussion with Kenny Loggins on the Mark Aram show on 95.5 WSB. Do you consider yourself fortunate, Kenny, that you broke through in the music biz when you did, as opposed to new artists trying to break in now in 2023? Because it's a completely different business, the music business. It was easier than I think there was less competition. We were juggling personnel to find that perfect combination. And I think part of why Loggins and Messina hit was because of Jimmy's pedigree with Buffalo Springfield, which was very strong in an underground kind of way. And um, that gave us those second and third listenings that mattered that would keep the record going. And then radio was very supportive back then. The FM format was still fairly new. And um, and so the FM jocks back in those days could play anything they wanted to. Do you miss that? Yeah, that <laughs> that that doesn't happen anymore. I don't think any yeah. DJ in the country can play what they want. But I mean, just about. So you know, when you when you you started touring in '71 and then a massive career building and building, all that time you're selling actual records, vinyl records, and then eight tracks right. and and CDs where you Cassettes. get cassette tapes where you're getting mm-hmm. money for their sales. The, the business in 2023 isn't isn't a- album sales anymore it's it's the streaming yeah. that, that's real it's got to be more more difficult to become financially secure in a streaming environment than in a, in a record selling environment I would think so I I've met some songwriters who are doing really well I think nowadays pop music is more of a producer's medium and, you know because it's so sonically it's all digital samples and recordings and so the producers i think are getting as or more famous than some of the actual recording artists that's a great observation it's true um you know you you have an artist and then the producer will take that and and transform it into something that's marketable and catchy different scenario than when you were recording in the 70s yeah i think if there are record companies out there of some sort they're streaming companies probably or connection they can get your music onto the streaming services so it's a different kind of motivation and and it's a world marketplace you know because they make more money if they can get you played all around the world and uh, so then your opportunity to make even more money quicker can happen if you break worldwide but that's that's a whole i mean the challenge of that is it's crazy. And and then there's social media, which is, seems to be a major factor in developing an artist. So speaking of streaming, Kenny, like Danger Zone, if it pops up in one of the streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, do you do you get paid for that? You do, but you don't get paid a lot. Yeah. You get paid you know, pennies. But when you talk about millions and millions of streams, then you're starting to make money. 
Uh, Danger Zone, Footloose, Meet Me Halfway, I'm All Right. I mean, you've been known as the king of the movie soundtrack. The Caddyshack uh, theme song, I'm All Right. How did that come about? How did you get involved with that film? Well, that uh, actually stems from when I was working. Um, I was just about to start my Celebrate Me Home album. Loggins and Messina had their six-year run. And I was starting to work on Celebrate Me Home when I got a call from Barbara Streisand and John Peters. John and Barbara were together as a couple. And um, and I met with her to help write a couple songs for Her Star is Born. And then in the process, John and I became friends. So when they broke up, John became an independent movie producer. And the first movie he made was Caddyshack. So he called me and said, do me a favor, come by the studio, see what we've got. And if you like it, maybe you'll write a song or two. And I loved it. Of course, it was hilarious. It wasn't finished yet. They didn't have the gopher in it. They didn't have an ending. <laughs> to, but it was good, good enough to get that this was going to be a great movie. And so I, I wanted to write everything for the movie, but they, they kept me down to like three songs. That That's pretty amazing, though, to, to, be, to have, first of all, someone come to you and say, hey, I want you to do this. And then to be able to craft a song for a specific movie, and, and you did it quite a few times in your career, that's got to be a unique skill to be like, oh, I can do a song for this specific movie. You just sort of, you know, it's, I guess I, I had a thing that was in the window at the time. It was just, um, I wrote what I felt based on what they were showing me. And that's the best you can do. Well, you're modest. You're humble. That, that's I, I'm not a songwriter, but I, you know, I often will write things for people, and it's incredibly different. Forget take the musical aspect out of it. To write something for someone for a specific event um, or or show, that's a very difficult thing to do, and and you've done it so well, so many times. Thank you. And it's 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 a lot of fun, and it's different than writing for my own album because when I'm writing for my own release, it's a more personal song. It's a more personal lyric. It has something to do with the life that I've been living for the last year or two. But when I write for a movie, I get to just jump into somebody else's shoes and write from a different point of view. And it's more like writing a novel. It's more fantasy based. That's what that's what makes it fun. It's very freeing. Musical role play, if you will. Talking to Kenny Loggins yeah. on the Mark Aram show. Uh, you mentioned A Star is Born. Were, were you considered for that movie or, or am I misremembering an urban rumor? It's an urban legend, yeah. With, I might have been considered for that role for like 30 seconds. Because when I was working with Barbara, we really clicked. And both Barbara and John said, have you ever been interested in acting? And I said, not really, not especially. And I, I knew where they were going with it, but I didn't want to, I, I just didn't want the divergence from, you know, my career. I wanted, I didn't ever dream of being a movie star. My my thing was about music and rock and roll, and I just wanted to write Celebrate Me Home. But looking back, you got to be, you know, somewhat flattered at least. They're like, oh, they even, they thought I could do that. Yeah, I, well, it is flattering, but a friend of mine says, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's great advice. That's great advice. Yeah. Kenny, you met Barbara Streisand, I mean, I Obviously, a musical legend. If if one were to scroll through your phone of the people you've met, the the people you've played with, friends you've made along the line, um, and I, I don't want you to call anyone right now, but but who would be <laughs> who would be one or two of the most famous people you'd have in your in your Rolodex on your phone right now? Oh my God! And it depends on how far back the Rolodex goes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the contacts we do update them. Yeah, try to, but you know, Barbara's in there still. Um, and, uh, I, of course, Mike McDonald and David Foster and all the cats that I've worked with over the last 20, 30 years. I don't know. It's, it's not it's not a who's who. 
Well, I mean, you named some some pretty stout individuals there. Are you on on texting relationships with Barbara Streisand? No. Well, I, I probably <laughs> would be if I needed to. There you go. No, I don't do that. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Loggins joining us on the Mark Aram Show concert, the farewell tour, final tour, May thirteenth at Ameris Bank Amphitheater. We just got word of the uh, verdict in the Ed Sheeran case. I don't know if you've been following that. Uh, but since it's in the musical biz, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. Uh, Ed was sued for for basically accusing him of stealing a Marvin Gaye song for his own. Uh, your thoughts on that case and what it's like to be an artist and and to do unique music and and not really copy someone else's that have come before you. Well, there's only so many notes, so there's you know only so many permutations of where those notes can go. But I think I was very disappointed with the uh, Robin Thicke. Uh, a blurred lines, I think it was, decision around the Marvin Gaye estate. You remember, Marvin's been gone a long time. This is an estate that in- includes primarily lawyers. And I think that the decision around blurred lines was inappropriate. You know, you can't copyright a cowbell part. And to just go for a feel is what we all musicians do. We're always deriving. I mean, I, I heard a guy was I played at New Orleans this weekend and, and I sat there and went, Oh my god, it's Fats Domino you know, because you can feel the source it was John Cleary. And you can feel the source of his music is is southern Louisiana. And that's not plagiarism. That's the, the just a, a growth of a style of music that grows out. You know, in the Blurred Lines case, uh, that was, um, what's his name? The fellow that did Happy. And Pharrell had Williams. On yeah, it was, a, it was a Pharrell production. Pharrell knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he's a musicologist of, of that kind of stuff. And then I, I don't know what Ed Sheeran song they're referring to, but I don't hear any Marvin Gaye in Ed Sheeran. Uh, I never have, and I'm a big fan of his. So, you know, I think he's one of the best songwriter, singer-songwriters out there and has been for years. I don't know. I think it might just be trying to capitalize on some vague reminiscence of Marvin Gaye. I mean, I love Marvin. Everybody's sure. been deeply influenced by Marvin and especially what's going on. I don't think he was ripped off by Ed Sheeran. It's just my opinion. That being said... Looking off your vast musical catalog, have you ever been flipping around the dial on the radio and being like, oh, that sounds awfully similar to what I did back in the day? Do you, or do you feel or do you say, oh, that person might have been influenced by what I did? I think there was a period of time where the boy bands were out there and they they all sort of, you know, Richard Marks and I were commenting on, on how reminiscent some of that young male harmony stuff and the style of singing. We all influence each other. It's the beauty of being in pop music. You know, it's, it keeps evolving and growing, uh, sometimes too slowly and sometimes incredibly fast. It depends on how adventurous the artists are, how willing they are to reinvent that medium. Yeah, we're all we're all influencing each other. I'm, yeah, I, I was caught up in a deposition one time over a song, and I was saying that to the lawyers. You know, we all we all borrow from each other. And he said, well, what, what do you mean borrow? And I said, well, I always intend on giving it back. I like that it, philosophy. It's not necessarily the right answer yeah. for deposition, but we're all rolling it around each time we do it. We're reinventing it. In depth with Kenny Loggins on the Mark Aram Show. Again, the tour stop here in Metro Atlanta, May 13th at the Marist Bank Amphitheater. Opening act, Yacht Rock Review. They've been bouncing around Atlanta for years. Very, very popular group here. How did Mr. Kenny Loggins get to know the Yacht Rock Review? Word of mouth. I just heard about them through friends. Probably had seen them in Atlanta. 
And uh, we started thinking, well, that would be an interesting, because, you know, I've been adopted by that whole Yacht Rock movement as one of the captains of the ship. So I thought, well, why not embrace it? Let's see what they're doing. And it's very respectful. It's not a parody or comedy in any way, other than it's it's fun. You know, they, they have a lot of fun with it. And they are good at replicating an 80s kind of approach to things. And it seemed like, well, that kind of makes sense. Let's give it a try. We've done a couple. We did one show together so far. And the audience went crazy. They loved it. We had 6,000 people in outside of Dallas, Texas. And it was really great fun. I think it's a good matchup. For sure. I mean, they've been killing it. In the, I mean, I've seen them to over 20 times here in Metro Atlanta. They're fantastic. And it, it does fit. And it's not a parody. It's It's an homage to that era of music that I grew up with in the 80s, which will probably never be replicated. So I love the fact that they're opening. Did they get their equipment back? I heard that they had their equipment stolen. I haven't been uh, kept up with the results of that. Yeah, I hope their insurance was paid up. We better make sure they have the equipment before May 13th, Kenny. (laughs) We'll give them a Kickstarter campaign. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Kenny, final question for you. First concert date, college tour uh, with Messina in 71 to this uh, date in Atlanta, uh, May 13th at Maris Bank Amphitheater. All the concerts in between, and I know it's a lot of them. Which yeah. one stands out to you? Uh, uh, you know, you say that was that was it. That was the concert that will always be with me. Boy, it's hard to say. There have been so many great you know experiences. They just the other day in New Orleans, you know, playing. We had 30,000 people on the big stage, and it was just such a rush to be back in front of that many people. I remember some of my most favorite shows, and this is not, you know, just because you're on the phone. I think uh, Chastain. Uh, I've loved playing Chastain, and those audiences have always been very appreciative. I love Northern California, very similar thing in the mountain winery. Um, always a great audience. And of course, here at home in Santa Barbara, my last show will be at the Santa Barbara County Bowl in September. I uh, was just mentioning the other day how much I love the, the Chastain Amphitheater and what a great venue it is. Kenny, thank you so much for your time. I cannot wait to see you in concert May 13th at Ameris Bank Amphitheater. The uh, memoir, it's available. Go get it now, folks. It's called Still All Right. Kenny, we'll see you May 13th. Thanks again for your time, my friend. Thank you. Good talking to you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.